What is up, Filmalytics family? Welcome into another episode of the Filmalytics podcast. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined as always by Matt Nine. Today on the show, we will review week five, give you some buys and sells per usual. We're also going to play a little game. Uh, we got some players who are off to a hot start. We're going to determine if they are fake news or for real. So we will get into that. Um, in the meantime, head on over to at Filmalytics underscore on Twitter. Check out all of our socials. Check out Filmalytics.org. And of course, our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Filmalytics. All right, Matt. Um, I, I wanted to mention, I forgot at the top, our Discord is free. We uh, There's a lot of action in there and it's a lot of fun. So that can be found on our Twitter at Filmalytics underscore as well um, as the website as well as the website good call filmalytics.org uh we got a lot of good free content on the website and of course the patreon has all of our models metrics and um some some premium content if you will uh behind that paywall so check those out um let's get in let's just jump right in matt week five uh i want to talk about the first thing is i like to review injuries at the top of the show right right it's, Injury season, if you will. It's like every week we have it. Last week it was, we talked about Javante Williams and kind of the value shift there. This week, Rashad Penny was a big one. Um, he's going to be out for the season. So how do you see Kenneth Walker's value short-term in terms of redraft? What do you think long-term in dynasty? And how do you feel about Penny? Because I know you've, you've like, you've been on the Penny bandwagon for a while and it, 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 it hit for you. Um, and then of course, you know, injuries have just disrupted his momentum time and time again. I mean, yeah, I got a penny Jersey behind me. That was, I bought his Jersey. Uh, it was his rookie year. Um, my wife surprised me with a trip to Seattle and we saw green Bay play Seattle in Seattle on Thursday night football. And penny had a really big game that, that night. And that was kind of part of right at the, the beginning of that coming out party before, um, I guess it might've been a sophomore year. I don't remember, but regardless, I was bought his rookie Jersey. I was just super excited and I was in on him, you know, Seahawks fan, but I think we're looking at a what if story. I think that's kind of where we're at now, which is unfortunate because in the stretch we saw last year for the six and seven games in the season and the spurts that we've seen. Um, in previous seasons from him and even even this year against Detroit, you know, two weeks ago, the metrics indicate that Rashad Penny is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like that's just that's just a fact. But the issue is he can't stay healthy. And one of the best abilities is availability. So it's unfortunate. I'm heartbroken for him. I wish him the absolute best. Uh, you know, I hope he comes back to Seattle in 23. I don't it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation because we were talking about this in the Discord and everybody was like, oh, you know, Kenneth Walker's top 10 dynasty running back there. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think we're at a point now where, you know, coming into the year, I was like, obviously, Penny's the guy I think you want in redraft. Walker's the guy you want in dynasty. Walker's still the guy you want in dynasty. And I think if, I don't think it's a guarantee that Penny just walks next year and leaves Seattle because we're at the point now, like, who, wh who's he, what's he going to get from somebody else? Like, who else is going to offer him any kind of money? It's been like, no, we've seen you get injured. And, Pete Carroll has a history of taking care of his guys. So it wouldn't shock me if Penny comes back on a super cheap, you know, one, two year deal to quote unquote back up or be the one B behind Walker. Cause I definitely think Walker takes the reins next year, but 
we've also seen how good Penny is. So if Penny is in a backfield with Walker, even if it's a committee, he caps Walker's ultimate ceiling. So I don't think it's a guarantee that Kenneth Walker just explodes in 2023 unless Rashad Penny is gone. Now, obviously, Rashad Penny could be gone and then, you know, wheels up for Kenneth Walker. But I just, you know, sitting here right now as we're going into week six, I don't know if I can definitively say, like, yes, you know, Walker is a clear top 10 dynasty running back. Yeah, I pretty much agree with what you said. I think somebody's going to take a shot on Penny, right, because of the talent, but, like, nobody's going to offer him a multi-year, you know, lucrative contract. So he might just end up back in Seattle. Um, I don't know what the temperature is there in terms of Pete Carroll and just how the organization kind of feels about him. I think they like him, but, you know, once you deal with a player who has – that many injuries a lot of times that fatigue kind of sets in and you just kind of wash your hands but um yeah i mean it's a bummer because he's been he's been really good um these last you know 12 games or whatever it is that he's played healthy uh for the most part he's he's been very good i think what my concern with walker and i really like him i liked his tape a lot i thought he was the best pure runner in the class but yep. and and i think he can catch, catch passes but Seattle, I mean, they very much like to use uh, DJ Dallas, Travis. Hom- I know Travis Homer's heard, but like they use other backs on third down. Um, I don't know that Kenneth Walker is going to catch that many passes in this offense. And if he does, like, I just don't see that being consistent. So we're looking at kind of an early down you know, a, a guy that might be kind of game flow dependent and things like that. And the, the Seahawks offense has been very good thus far. So that's, I mean, you want a guy in a good offense for sure. He's going to have scoring opportunities and so on. But um, I think the pass catching will be a little limited, which might keep him out of like that top 10 discussion for me. I I, I definitely agree. I think one of the interesting things is that after Penny left the game, I believe it's towards the end of the second quarter, just before the half, uh, Walker played more third down snaps than DJ Dallas. However, the third down snaps that he played were all very third and long blitz pickup situations. He wasn't really running any, any routes in those situations, although he was playing third down. So I guess that's a positive, but also at the same time, like you want to see guys run routes, but part of Gino's game, part of what this offense is, is that on third downs, they're not really looking for the check down. I mean, you got Tyler Lockett and TK Metcalf. They're looking to pick up, the uh, first down conversion. So I just like, I, I agree with you unless it's like a design screen. I don't really see the targets or the receptions there for Walker, but I guess it is encouraging that he out that he's, that he's playing third downs in general, but just some quick numbers for you. Uh, he's 16th in yards after contact per attempt, 16th and breakaway rate uh, PFF's fourth highest ranked running back in elusive rating. So he's definitely got shades of penny to him for sure. He could potentially surpass him, but it's one of those things, you know, I got to, I got to see it before I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, there's, there's no, there's no need for Seattle to bring back Penny at all because Walker, you know, can clearly be just as good. But I, I, and last thing, I I think he's a high end RB two, low end RB one rest of the way. Yep. That's about where I'd have him. Um, And even last week, 
really good numbers, but he had the 69-yard touchdown run. I'm not trying to take away from that. You know, we can't just remove one long run. He created that, but um, at the time, at the same time, a 69-yard touchdown run um, makes the box score look a lot better at eight for 88. So, um, if you're just glancing at the box score, you know, just something to note too. But um, I like the player, and the offense has been good. So uh it's a it's a good good situation although i will say i dropped him a week and a half two weeks ago in our filmalytics redraft league the 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 leagues we did and i was like it's just redraft is tough with the short benches and like i lost javante elijah mitchell so i just had to grab somebody off the wire that could contribute you know that was playing at the time for sure uh but that was a bummer um okay let's let's move on and and talk about week five as a whole Anything stand out to you specifically? Yes. And I'm going to go ahead and bring it up now because I want it to be a part of, I'm going to add on to it later when we talk about our, our buys and sells that we're going to do a little bit of a dynasty twist, a dynasty twist to it. I want to talk about George Pickens one more, one more time. And I feel like I've talked about him a ton. I, he was one of my guys in the preseason. I wrote about him. You know, we've talked about him in our filmalytics chat. But prior to getting on, I just kind of wanted to get an update because I know Kenny Pickett had come in in the second half uh, two weeks ago. And I looked at the numbers. In the last two weeks, uh, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson have the same number of targets, 16 each. George Pickens has five more receptions than Deontay, 12 to 7. George Pickens has over 110 more yards than Deontay, 185 to 71. George Pickens' yards per route run is two and a half. Deontay's is 0.85. Uh, Deontay Johnson has an A dot of 12 and a half. George Pickens has an A dot of 16. So George Pickens is outproducing Deontay by quite a bit with much more difficult passes downfield. I'm not saying that there's a shift here in the wide receiver one but it's pretty evident that there's at least a co one here in this Pittsburgh offense. And that is what's standing out to me. Uh, Claypool did see nine targets last week. Obviously I, I can't pick it through 52 pass attempts. That's not going to happen every week. I think now if you're a Claypool fan as myself, we're kind of hoping for a trade either before the deadline this year or next off season. But I think it's pretty evident. George Pickens is right on Deontay's Hill or heels for this wide receiver one spot in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have a, a team where I'm trying to, I have both Deontay and Pickett, Pickens, sorry. And ever since I drafted Pickens, I've been trying to move Deontay and I just haven't been able to. And I'm viewing it like Pickens is taking that Deontay spot on my team. <clears throat> um, it's it's I, coming. It's coming. And it's so obvious. I, I guess what value do you have on Deontay going forward? Because so far this year, he's, he's struggling. Um, you know, it, it's just not the same offense and he's not getting quite the volume that he was before. And the results just have not been promising. So do you, what do you see him as, you know, in the long term, if, if Pickens takes over that wide receiver one role and becomes a star, I mean, where does that leave Deontay in this offense? Is he more of a wide receiver two, three, I think and, he might be falling into the wide receiver three discussion. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I definitely don't think he's a wide receiver one anymore. 
because of the emergence of Pickens. Again, it's not like Deontay's bad. It's just one of those situations, it's a little bit like Walker and Penny. You have somebody there who is just so dominant. It just lowers the ceiling of everyone around him because he needs to get his own as well. And while I do believe Pickens has wide receiver one upside, like I said that in the preseason, I'm on record. Like I truly believe that George Pickens is going to be in the same discussion as like a Jamar Chase and a Justin Jefferson. Like that's where I think his talent level is at. Now he's not going to have the production his rookie year, obviously, because we're dealing with a rookie quarterback. You know, we don't have a veterans in there like Joe Burrow and, and Kirk Cousins, but I do think the talent level warrants a, you know, future top five dynasty wide receiver type of finish. I still think Deontay's value has got to be a first plus, you know, I think they're both going to be there for, for quite some time. I, I wrote in my article that the, it was interesting. The Steelers have it structured out to where Deontay's contract expires the same off season that George Pickens is due for an extension, which is kind of interesting because they might have seen that and been like, if we think George Pickens is who we think he is, then we're going to need to pay him out the, out the yin yang come that off season with one year left on his rookie deal. And we don't need to have that kind of money tied up in two wide receivers. So it wouldn't shock me if Chase Claypool's moved or he's not and walks after 23. And we see the Steelers draft another wide receiver here in the next couple of years to eventually be the wide receiver two uh, after, which I believe Deontay walks after the 24 season. Now, the crazy thing is, and this absolutely blows my mind, this is how young George Pickens is. He's going to be 23 years old when he gets his first extension. That's incredible. That is insane. I have in my, it's just, I don't know. It, blow, it blows my mind how young this kid is and how good he is uh, through the first five weeks and especially the last two weeks of his rookie season. So, yeah. Yeah, and I will say, I mentioned that Deontay's volume hasn't been, hasn't really been there, but it it has. I mean, he's seen at least 10 targets in four or five games. Um, so, I mean... The volume is there. It's just, I guess, a different, a different the kind. Just the drops have been noticeable this year, I think. I know that was two years ago when we were going on and on, especially when he got benched in the Bengals game. What was that, a Thursday night game or something like that? But for me, it's like, no, the drops don't count against us in fantasy, but in an indirect way, they kind of do because, one, the drops that he's had this year have bounced off his hands and turned into interceptions, so the offense has to come off the field or he's been unable to convert a third down, which again, the offense said punts or kicks a field goal. It's a loss of points for the offense as a whole. We don't get those for our fantasy players. So the drops kind of do affect us in fantasy because the offense can't then function or continue to drive down the field. However, they don't directly affect the fantasy stat, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm going to give you some more numbers here just to kind of build on that case. Deontay, interestingly enough, his A dot is higher than it's ever been at 11.4. It's Which never been over like nine and a half. That's great. Um, he's got nine deep targets, which is fifth in the league. He's fourth in air yards, but he's third in unrealized air yards. And he's number one with five drops. And ironically, his catchable target rate is 88%, which is 10th. So the, the targets are there, they're catchable, but yet he leads the league in drops and has a bunch of unrealized air yards with a higher A dot than ever. So that yeah. tells me it's more on De, on Deontay than the offense, but 
I, I feel like I feel like we have one of the best route runners we've ever seen. A really good football player, but he's not a complete football player. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things like you know what you're getting. You're gonna have to live with the drops. And when he does get the ball in space, he's able to make things happen. He does make incredible catches. He had a catch last week that was incredible on the sideline. He unfortunately mm-hmm. had a foot down out of bounds, but it's just one of those things. I think it just kind of comes with the territory. Yep. Definitely. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough for me to pick one thing that stood out, but just, I think Thursday night as a Broncos fan, I've never seen something so horrific. Um, this offense is bad and a lot of people are blaming Nathaniel Hackett and that's look, he deserves a lot of blame. I blame Russell Wilson more. Um, I know that he got the injection in his shoulder. His shoulder hasn't been healthy, so that's fine. That, partially excuses many of his throws that are completely off target it doesn't excuse him not seeing the entire field and missing wide open guys not just the last play of the game kj hamler was wide open on a rub route that was i mean obvious that should have been his first read and he just stared down Cortland sutton and threw it into traffic there were many other plays he missed he threw long on jerry judy multiple times um i was looking back over some film from the past couple of weeks and he's missed guys all all season long he's missed guys he's not seeing the field i think part of it is his mobility has diminished a little bit and he has trouble seeing in the pocket i mean he's he's small right like he's short and i think he has trouble seeing he's used to getting out of the pocket scrambling and that's when he makes a lot of those throws uh he maybe the athleticism isn't quite there but they they got to do something to get him out of the pocket, get him moving a little bit more um, where he can see the entire field. I don't know what the solution is, but I think Nathaniel Hackett is, he he's not great at managing the game, obviously, but I think looking back at the tape, he is scheming guys open. I mean, there are plays to be made out there that Russ just isn't hitting. I mean, tight end up the seam, he's throwing behind him. He's throwing low. Um, he's throwing just you know inside instead of to the outside shoulder like he's just off he's just completely off and he's not seeing the field so i mean i think sutton is a must start because he's really good and russ looks his way often judy suffered some drops and some inconsistencies sutton is consistent uh so but he's the only one in this offense that's a must start i do think melvin gordon will have some good value going forward uh but none, nobody's a must-start outside of Sutton, and it's definitely panic time for the Broncos, um, and this is an offense that we expected to be pretty good. And Matt, I will say a lot of tip of the cap because a lot of the stuff that you said about Russ, I, I think I'm seeing it, and I've heard other people in Broncos country echo, and I'm like, yeah, Matt's Matt's been saying that. So it, It's frustrating to see because I don't know what happened, you know. Yeah, it, it it felt like it was overnight because I remember he. This was the year bef- when the first trade rumors first came up, and we were going into that year. And then Seattle was like, you know, we're going to let Russ cook this year. What would we get off to? Seven and one, eight, no start, something ridiculous like that. And then the teams, it was the Giants game. I remember we were at MetLife, and they took they took away the depot. Couldn't figure it out. Got sacked like six or seven times that game. And it's just been downhill ever since. Teams have started to play cover two, and he has no idea how to adjust to it. 
Yeah, I see that because he's not really hitting that deep ball, at least not consistently. Like I said, he's he's overthrown Judy a couple times, um, hasn't even seen Hamler, et cetera. So when that deep ball is not going, it, yeah, it, it's like he just doesn't know what to do. And there was a route against Oakland. Judy ran towards the back corner of the end zone. Um, and the defensive back, they were in cover two, and the defensive back, the safety, totally shifted his hips and like was clearly in the wrong way. All Russ had to do was throw it to the back corner and Judy would run under it. And he like patted the ball a couple times and then stepped up in the pocket and just threw a short, short crossing pattern. And this was like third and 10 from like the 16 yard line or 20 yard line. So a touchdown versus just a dump off for three points. That's the kind of thing that we're seeing that miss enough of those. All of a sudden you're averaging 14 points a game instead of you know 24 so um yeah it's tough it's it's tough sledding especially for somebody like judy who had a lot of dynasty value at one point and even kj ham i think kj hamler's looked good like his routes are crisp like he's making plays when he when he has the opportunity but if russ isn't targeting him or looking his way and everybody thought those two you know hamler would be kind of the the sleeper with with that deep ball but just hasn't translated. So, Greg Dolchich, what are we are we getting tight ends this week in this offense? For over under four targets. I'm just making that number up. Um, I know he was activated. So I'll I saw say, that this morning or yesterday. Yeah, he was activated. I'll say under just because I think at least that first Eric Saubert, Tomlin, these other guys are still going to be they're still going to rotate and. Hackett really likes Eric Saubert. Um, you know, he's more of a blocking guy, but I, I think they'll rotate it. But I do think long-term I'm excited about Dulcich and see what he can do. I mean, he might be he might be a difference maker, especially without – we talked about this in the offseason. Losing Tim Patrick, I think that has really hurt Russ. Yeah. Um, Dulcich can kind of play that, you know, big-body athletic type of role. So long, long-term, and may, I guess maybe even for the rest of the season, is to see – Dolchich to see profile more as your what they wanted Alberto to Alberto to be, or is he going to be more of like a slot tight end? I think I, it's hard for me to say what they wanted Alberto to be. I think they were confused with what they wanted him to be. I think what they want of Dolcich is, yeah, kind of a slot tight end, but I think the biggest thing is they want a seam stretcher, and they've run that route with. Eric Saubert. I haven't seen much of it from Alberto. I've seen Alberto more in the slot, just running short routes because this is a route that Russ has missed multiple times. He missed Saubert and Tomlinson. Just... I remember the one in the Colts game. He didn't. He, he threw behind somebody. Yep. Yep. I, I think that was Tomlinson. Tomlinson that's, the, yeah. that's the one that stands out to me too. And he's done that a few times. I think that's exactly what they want from Dulcich because he's got the speed. He had a monster A dot in college. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a downfield, big play kind of guy. I think yeah, that's they, what they want. Yeah, I, I, there's very few linebackers and safeties in the league that are going to catch him. Yep. So. Yeah. So I think we'll see him in line more often than not doing that sort of thing. But I think they will use him in the slot as well a little bit. Cool, cool. I like that. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see him too. All right. Um, 
let's play some fake news or for real. I just, I don't know. I just made that up. But we're going to go through some players that are off to a really hot start and just want to hear, Matt, what you think. And I'll give my thoughts on if it's fake news or if it's for real. Is this player going to keep doing what they're doing? Or is it all a charade? Are they going to fall back down to earth? So let's start. I'm going to give you the first one to start because this is uh, Geno Smith. And we just talked about Russ's struggles. <laughs> Look at what Geno's doing in this yeah, offense no now. I mean, it's incredible. So what do you make of it? Is is he? Is this for real? I don't know. I, I still don't know. It's It's fake news and it's real news. And it's I don't know news. I mean, he's playing out of his freaking mind through the first five weeks. I don't I don't know how to explain that. Uh, looking at this, he's third right now. He's the third best quarterback in the league. Uh, EPA and CPOE composite at point one eight nine. He's barely behind Patrick Mahomes, and then uh, Josh Allen is just on another level. At both even Mahomes is is a good bit behind Allen, but it's just I I, I don't know. And and I, I I like this as a Seahawks fan because you know we're winning we're competitive you know fantasy's going well the offense is moving it's successful but I also hate it because I don't want this team to come out of the season and headed to April's draft with two probable top ten picks and be like oh we're good at quarterback we don't need anybody that that is the scariest part for me right now as a Seahawks fan and and if they and if they wanted to do a little bit like philadelphia did last year if they just wanted to move one of those 23 picks into 24 because i'm also a big fan of the 24 class uh, at quarterback just to kind of like you know cover their steps like can gino do this again i mean he's 31 like how realistically how many more years are you going to get out of this guy especially playing at this level then then i would be okay with it to see gino start again in 23 and then draft the quarterback of 24 but I just if we don't take a quarterback in the next two years and fall into this Geno facade, then I'm going to be very upset. But right now, you know, ride the wave. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, you never know with with Pete Carroll. Like it seems like Geno's exactly what he wants from his quarterback. Right? He's. I think there was even a quote from Pete uh, a few weeks ago. He said, basically, he said he, he's doing what we want him to do or what we ask him to do kind of a shot at Russ probably who wanted to do things his way. He wanted to throw more. He wanted to do all this. Gino's throwing over 30 times a game. He, he is. But I think Pete's saying like, when you do it our way, like you'll get there. You don't have to like yeah. try to, you know, push for more, you know, deep targets, uh, shots downfield, pass attempts, et cetera. Like just run our offense and it'll work out. And, and that's what he's doing. I don't know if you mentioned this. I, I didn't hear it, so apologies if you did. But he has the highest passing grade on PFF right now. And, and, and Jalen Hurts is second, isn't he? Uh, Jalen's third, barely oh, behind Pat Mahomes. I, I saw that there was like there's like a nine point gap or something like that between Gino and second. Yep, that's huge. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just mind blowing. I mean, he's playing at like an MVP level, so I think it's fake news in in that sense. I don't think he's gonna keep this up he's qb6 right now um but i think it's real that he's just gonna keep playing well and driving I, the bus yeah and and again going back to this quarterback thing like gino's looking really good in this offense and we know what gino is can you imagine cj stroud or bryce young in this offense doing the same thing like just take gino up a notch 
with a better quarterback, younger, going to develop even more. I mean, this Seahawks roster is not bad. The defense is bad, but the offense is good. And obviously we're two and three, but I'm if you insert a better quarterback like a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, I mean, we're competitive right away, like legitimately competitive, especially with the way the NFC West looks right now. I mean, the Rams are, they're terrible. They've mortgaged their future for the Super Bowl. Congrats to them. They want it, but they're going to be bad now unless they figure something out. I'm the Cardinals. I'm pretty sure going to fire Kingsbury. I think he's second in odds right now behind. I actually think Hackett is the best odds to be fired right now after rule. Uh, yeah, so, I so, so. I, Kingsbury second right now uh, to be fired uh, at the end of the season. And then the 49ers, you know, they're going to get Lance back next year coming off his broken ankle, still another year, three years now without developing as a pocket passer. I mean, like the NFC West is up for grabs. Yeah, it really is. And you alluded to the Seahawks having two picks. I mean, the way the Broncos season is going, that, that might be a pretty valuable pick. So, I mean, even if Seattle and Denver, like, you know, if Seattle starts to win a few more games and Denver turns it around and wins, I mean, we have your first and second. So we have four top 60 picks. I mean, it's easy trade up, go get your guy kind of, you know, kind of value. So yeah, I, I'm excited for the draft and I just, I just cools off a little bit, you know, <laughs> just enough to make the staff go like, yeah, let's get somebody else in here. I will say I'm kind of happy for Gino just because he was the number one overall pick, went to the Jets. They were horrible. The locker room punch thing happened. I feel like he never really got a fair shot with a stable organization being the guy. He's getting it now and he's making good on it. It kind of makes you wonder, uh, it, you know, probably too late for him to really be the guy, hopefully, right, as you mentioned. But um, it's it's cool to see the the resurgence, if you will. And for all of Pete Carroll's flaws, all of the Seahawks organizational flaws over the past few years with some of the stupid trades and, and misdraft picks, the one thing I can point to that they've always been elite at is evaluating quarterback play. Russell Wilson, they tried to trade Russell Wilson for Josh Allen in that in that 2017 draft. Uh, they were in on Patrick Mahomes as well. Uh, the other guy that they wanted was Drew Locke. I'm not going to comment on that one, but <laughs> but. Three of the four quarterbacks that they've evaluated, like seriously evaluated, has been Russ, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes, arguably three of the you know best quarterbacks in the past you know five or six years. And then, so I if if they think Gino can be it, then I you know in Pete we trust. But if not, you know I'm I'm excited. I it's kind of one of those things when you go to into a rookie draft, like I was kind of out on Zach Wilson one because I didn't like him. And then I didn't really like the landing spot. Kind of the same thing with Justin Fields. You know, if quarterback goes to Houston, I'm going to really like that because Pep Hamilton is there. You know, he helped with Andrew Luck. He helped with Justin Herbert. If uh, quarterback goes to Seattle, I'm really going to like that as well. Cause you know, Pete Carroll, their development process with, with Russ Wilson and, and so on and so forth. So it's a good landing spot and I, I trust them when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't argue that at all. Um, let's get to the next name on the list. That is Josh Jacobs. I'll take this one first. I I think most everybody was in the same boat in assuming this would be a committee. I believe Josh McDaniels even, I don't know if he said that word, but he did say that they were going to rotate backs and use multiple guys and, and things of that nature. 
Um, it hasn't played out that way. Josh Jacobs has been really good. Uh, he's RB4 right now. I'm going to say this is real. I don't know that he'll stay quite that high, but I think he's a solid RB1, mid-tier RB1 right now, and I think he will be through the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> talk about a committee. Do you know how many carries any other, like running the rest of the running backs have on the season for the Raiders? Like combined 20, maybe? 11. Josh Jacobs has rushed 91 times. The other backs combined have 11. Sheesh. I would have thought they would have way more by now. And even in terms of receiving, you know, I was like, well, at least like Jacobs won't be the primary pass catcher. Like they'll use Bolden or Abdullah. I thought they were going to use Abdullah on third downs. Jacobs has the most running back targets with 18. The next closest is Bolden with eight. Abdullah has two. Their fullback has two. So Jacobs has 18 targets compared to 10, basically 10 of the, of the other running backs. So his opportunity share is is amazing. It's 84%, third best in the league. Um, you know, his third in rushing yards, he's fourth in points per game. He's, I mean, he's doing it all. He's run the ninth most routes among running backs. Uh He's number one in evaded tackles, and you see it on film. He, He's lowering his shoulder and running through guys, um, not just the elusiveness, but he is running guys over. He's number two in juke rate, but he is absolutely running guys over. He's number one in yards created. That's awesome. So, I mean, and it's great because I had this conversation with a friend of mine just before the season started who, who rosters him in my main league, and – I was like, man, I, I like the talent. Like, I think Josh Jacobs is a good player. So I hope, you know, he lands somewhere else next year and they use him right, whatever, as a free agent. But we're seeing it this year, and I think it's really impressive. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think that was a big colossal miss on my part in the offseason, thinking that this was going to be a committee. But I remember prior to the game uh, on Monday night, uh, there was a report that came out that said that the reason his fifth year option was declined was because the staff was just simply not familiar with him. They wanted to see him in their system and how we would do, and they didn't want to commit 10 million plus dollars to somebody who might not even fit what they want. So I think Josh Jacobs is resigned after the season. I think he returns. I think he's a long-term bell cow for the Raiders. It's clearly doing exactly what they want and he's doing it at a very high level. So yeah, that, that, I think Josh Jacobs is for real. I'm with you. Yeah, I think if somebody's looking to sell high, I mean, I think you you buy. buy. Yes, he's worth it. And I, 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 think, I think I'd buy at cost right now, honestly. Yeah, I think so. He's he's really good, and he's only 24. Yeah, so he's got you still have he, another at least two and a half, three years. Yeah, you got you got time for his next contract to play out, and I think following that report, he even said. Like he gets it. He understands like why they didn't. Maybe it added a little motivation to his game or whatever, like just human nature, but like he understands it. And so I think you're right. I think there's a really good chance he ends up back with the Raiders next year. How about another running back, Jamal Williams? Uh, he's played really well. Obviously, DeAndre Swift has missed some time, but uh, Jamal Williams through five weeks is RB11. 
fake news or for real? I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, the workload the past couple weeks has been pretty high because of Swift being out. They're on a bye this week, so I, I definitely expect Swift to be back. Um, you alluded to in the Discord a few weeks ago that, that Swift is significantly outproducing his expected fantasy points because he's been incredibly efficient, which is something that's pretty unsustainable. And then Jamal Williams is still eating that gold line work, which is not exactly what you want to see if you're a Swift owner. But I think I think it's the same as what it's always been. It's it's a running back by committee there. They have their roles. They both they both get theirs and Jamal Williams is, you know, the ground and pound goal line short yardage kind of back. So like I don't I mean the past couple weeks is probably fake because Swift is coming back, but I think that Jamal Williams, we have a pretty good track record of him and Swift together of exactly what he is. And realistically, he's probably back in RB2, you know, high in RB3 with, with some big weeks. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't think he's like RB11 for real. But you're right. Going back to after I think it was after week two, I was screaming like sell Swift. His usage is not good. Jamal Williams is getting the usage. I made comments that like Jamal Williams is a buy, Swift is a sell, and this is exactly why. His his usage has been a little bit higher with Swift out, but not a ton. I mean, I guess you look at the carries 19, 15, 20 versus 11, 12, but not like his role hasn't changed that significant, uh, you know, of an amount. His expected points per game is 14.1 versus Swift, who is 10.6. So Jamal, either way, Jamal is getting the more valuable touches. So I think you nailed it with kind of a back-end RB2 um, type of value. And and Swift is like a home run hitter. So that that's part of his value, but I just can't get behind him with that type of usage. And I think Jamal is like the perfect like depth running back on your roster that you're comfortable plugging into the flex, but you don't have to play him. So um, Marquise Brown next on the list. Uh, he is believe wide receiver six. Let me double check that. Yep. Wide receiver six on the season. Um, he's targeted a ton he's been over 20 fantasy points in the last three weeks he's seen target totals of 17 11 10 um i believe he's leads the league in targets or is very close to okay he's tied for second with justin jefferson with 55 um i think this is fake news um i think he's a good good player i think it's a good fit with kyler um but obviously hopkins is coming back soon and I just don't think he can sustain quite this type of volume. You mentioned Kingsbury. Like Kingsbury hasn't been very good. This offense has really been very – they've been trailing in the second half a lot. They've had to play comeback, and when they're doing that, that's when Marquise is eating up a lot of those targets. Um, like I said, I think he's he's good, but the way that they are playing right now I don't think is sustainable for the long term. It's not going to last either, you know, Kingsbury's going to get fired. The, the team's going to start losing a ton, whatever it is like. And James Conner has been banged up a lot, too. I don't think they've been running the ball quite as much. So I'm just. He's I like Marquise Brown. OK, but I don't I'm not really buying into this start. I'm going to be on the other side of this one. I think okay. I think I am buying this. I think this is real. 
uh, through the first five weeks, he's third in the league in targets. He's fourth in receptions. He's tied for fifth in receiving touchdowns. I get that Hopkins is coming back, and obviously I want to see what that looks like. But DeAndre Hopkins, we saw a decline with him last year yeah, from, from 2020. Sure. There was a drop-off to 2021, and I get that he was hurt, but there was a lot of those metrics that you really like, like yards per route run and stuff, that were much lower, even on the small sample size that we, that we saw. I forget how many games he played. I believe it was half the season. But they, they traded a – was it a first-round pick, a second-round pick for Marquise Brown? I think a first and a second. Yeah. So the first and a third. It was like something they, on top of a first. They invested a lot into Marquise Brown and Kingsbury is on the record saying that we believe he could be our future one. That was pre that was in the offseason. So it just, you know, kind of indicates, you know, they're aware that Hopkins is on the decline. He might be on his way out at some point. Like they're kind of prepping for the future. They're getting the next guy in there. Now, obviously, when Hopkins comes back, that that's good for the offense as a whole. And in theory, it should help Marquise Brown. And they're not even playing Marquise Brown specifically outside. They're kind of moving him all around, which is kind of exciting. And, you know, it's college college teammates. So I think this is kind of for real. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, wide receiver one for real. But I think the usage and the – how do you say it? like The role? The role, yeah. Because, again, I – when we talk about fantasy wide receiver ones, it's, you know, it's only 12 of them. I'm just not sure that, that he's always going to be in the top 12, but I think what they're wanting to do with him is, is sustainable. I think it's for real. One more thing I want to add to that. I do think that um, Hopkins was on a steep decline. I don't really want anything to do with Hopkins. I also misspoke. They got a third back. So they gave a first and got Brown and a third. So okay. Um, but still, you know, yeah, first a, round a heavy investment. But I think part of it is like he has one game, 14 for 140. A lot of his other games, I mean, 88 yards, 78 yards, 68, 43. Like, I don't I, know. I, I get more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you are the get, like, what were the targets? The, so the targets were six week one, and then it goes 11, 17, 11, 10. But his catch rate, his receptions, 4, 6, 14, 6, 8. Like, you, you look at, like, obviously he's not Justin Jefferson, but, you know, guys like that, like, it's there's just a lot more consistency week to week where they're kind of between 80 to that 140 yards, like, mostly every week. I just feel like he's, he's, he's going to be a lot – there's going to be a lot of variance and even more so with, with Hopkins in the lineup and they're, they're trying to get Rondell more involved, which whatever, don't get me started on him, but. Um, Whoa. <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll, talk about him. we'll talk about him. Um, How about Tyler Lockett? I think he's kind of connected to Gino, right? But he's, yep. uh, I mean, he's balling right now. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both balling. I believe their target shares are roughly the same. However, DK's uh, red zone target share is league leading. I think it's at 50%. Like, it's enormous. So, Tyler Lockett's touchdowns that he caught, especially the two against New Orleans, they were like 40-plus yard, 40 yard bombs. But when they get down in the red zone, it's DK time. Uh, I'm, I'm bummed because DK should have had three touchdowns last week. He had the one. He dropped one. Then he had another called back uh, due to holding. But – could have had a much bigger week. Uh, Tyler Lockett benefited a little, 
benefited a little bit from that. But I mean, he's for real. As long as Gino keeps playing like this, I mean, he's supporting two top 24 wide receivers right now. So there's no reason to think that this is going to, you know, tailspin off at any point. I will say from a real life football perspective, I would like to see Seattle trade Tyler Lockett because you're still looking for your franchise quarterback. The defense is the worst in the entire league right now. I, or they might be 31. Washington might be even worse. But he's 30 years old. He's coming to the end of an expensive contract. He's still good. You're not trading a bad player with no value. And he's still healthy. Like this, you could still get probably round two, round three, couple round threes, like, you know, a couple day two picks in return from him because he's not going to be a part of the long term, you know, rebuild ascension back to that Super Bowl caliber team process that the Seahawks are kind of going to transition with. So I would like to see him moved uh, as a fan, but at the same time, you know, for fantasy, he's balling out. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. I'll just say that uh, honestly, when I say like Marquise Brown is fake news, I I see him and Tyler Lockett very similarly. Obviously Marquise Brown is much younger. um, Would much rather have him in dynasty but I see them pretty similar in terms of their current value in production that you can expect. So um, yeah, Lockett's playing really well. I've never been a huge Lockett guy because of that variance and some of those things, but I would, if I'm a contender, I'm definitely interested in Tyler Lockett. Um, Taysom Hill. I mean, Nope. We don't have much to say probably. I just thought we'd put it on here, but like this guy, it's just so bizarre. He's like, tight end four or something and has like one catch for five yards on the year. It's wild. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just move past that. Cause there's not, there's not a lot to say with I, that. I will say a lot of his success has come with Andy Dalton starting. That's a good point. So I do wonder what, what if he disappears when Jameis Winston is actually back. I feel like, I don't know there. He's tight end seven. Sorry, I misspoke, but they're, I do like he's a good weapon, right? Like he's what everybody wanted Tim Tebow to do slash be right in this role. I feel like they have to keep utilizing him this way. Like you found success with it. Keep using him. I mean, he's not going to provide consistent value, but like, I don't know, like why not keep using him this way? And Jameis was pretty bad too. Like, I'm not saying they should start Dalton, but like, I don't know, maybe they need to reevaluate what they were doing with Jameis. So, yeah. Interesting, nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> let's get into some buys and sells before we get out of here. Um, I'll go ahead and go first with one. Mine is Jacoby Myers. Um, Are you buying or selling? Buying, sorry. Yep. Buying Jacoby Myers. Um, he's a guy that I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever rostered him, to be honest with you. He's a guy that was allergic to the end zone, but he found it last year and He's been, I think ever since he scored that touchdown, he's been really good. He did miss weeks three and four, but outside of that, he's put up totals of 10.2, 18.5, 24.1 fantasy points. And even going back to last season, um, you know, his last outing was nine points before that 21.3, before that 11.9, 11, 14, et cetera. You get the point. Um, he's quietly taken over. I mean, I think, my assumption was that Devonte Parker would be the one in this offense. Cause that's the type of guy that they have been looking for, for a long time. Um, now that they've had a kind of healthy wide receiver core out there, Jacoby Myers is the one that stays on the field 
um, more than Devontae Parker. Uh, his target, he's fourth in target share, um, number third in target rate. He's receiving a target on almost 40% of his routes run, which is pretty incredible. Um, he's a good player, man. He's number two in yards per route run, number one in yards per team pass attempt. So he, he's clearly their number one. Um, Long term, I don't know. Like they may still look to add, you know, they keep missing on these wide receivers. They might still look to draft another Nikhil Harry type, but I think Jacoby Myers is good and I think he's legit and I think he's very overlooked. So you can probably get him for a reasonable price. Any worry about Thornton? Made his first day, it is a rookie debut last week. I think he saw four targets. Yeah, I mean, not really just because he's I, more, I mean he's more outside he is he's more of that like and in fact he might take over that Devonte parker and Nikhil harry type of role but he's sure. he's got more speed um maybe more separation ability i don't know but no i there's no concern really i think he's established himself enough that i think he's just gonna be the main part of this offense like and he's established rapport with if it's Bailey Zappi he's already established with him but Mac Jones as well I just I think Myers is good and uh, you know Thornton might come on and and take kind of that outside role but I think Jacoby Myers role is is not going to change and and he's gonna be a big part of this offense either way it's Zappi season I'm I'm speaking it into existence I love it I love it uh I'm gonna buy Actually, before I tell you, I have a question. Is two or more yards per route run a good thing? Two or more? Yeah, when you're looking at wide receivers, 2.00 yards per route run plus. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. Like it's it's high-level stuff when you're above two. Yeah, I mean, I just – yeah. I Well, yeah, I just mentioned Jacoby Myers was number – what – two or something at like 3.8. So yeah, two, that's probably like where you want to be, right? Yeah, anything above two. Okay, so we should be buying freaking Nico Collins because he's above two. His his peripherals and his, I mean, he, this, this guy's flying so far under the radar right now. It's absolutely yeah. blowing my mind. The, pat, the first two weeks were a little slow, I'll admit to it. But the past three weeks, he has drawn closer and closer in season stats and targets per route run, target share, routes run. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's he's actually surpassed Brandon Cooks in yards now. Uh, Brandon Cooks has the one receiving touchdown. Nico doesn't have any yet, but he's slowly catching up to Nico over the past three weeks, and is closer to a one B rather than being the wide receiver two on this team. And last week he saw a season high in routes or routes run and snap share. They're on a bye this week. I'm hoping they come out of the bye and they're like, okay, we got to get this guy the ball more. But I am absolutely thrilled with Nico's usage. Over the past three weeks, it's flying super under the radar. And we had talked about this in the preseason where it was like, I believe in Nico T- Collins' talent. So we're at the point now where it's like, you know, we were going to either need to be saying at the end of the season, we got to get Nico quarterback. Or Davis Mills is the guy. And, you know, Nico's good. Or Nico's not producing and Nico's not good. But through five weeks, I feel very confident in saying we are at the point where we need to get Nico Collins a quarterback because that is an issue right now because Davis Mills is not good. He is not as bad as Baker Mayfield, but it's pretty freaking close. So I'm buying Nico Collins. And that's yeah. not just for redraft. This is for dynasty. I 
big time buy to see that buy. This guy's 23 years old. I mean, yeah, I'm in. I like Nico Collins a lot. I'm a little disappointed with the overall production, but you're right. His peripherals are good. And I think Davis Mills has just been worse than I expected. I mean, I definitely, yeah, I agree. I expected Mills to be a little bit better than what he's been playing so far. So that is kind of a bummer, but you know, it kind of tells me, you know, it, it is what he is. I think Davis Mills is a great backup quarterback. He's yeah. probably a top 40 quarterback in the NFL. Just not sure he's top 32. Yep, I agree. Um, a sell for me, Rondell Moore. Ugh, how I dare mean, you? Uh, I just bought. I just bought Rondell. I think, and see, that's exactly what. Like, there's buyers now. I don't think anybody was buying him for a bit. So now I think there's an opportunity to sell him. I just don't like the player. I mean, I know he's explosive. His A dot was like the lowest in the league by multiple yards last year, even be below like tight ends. I mean, it was just brutally low. Now it's 5.6, 93rd in the league. And that's like a positive for him. Like we're celebrating that he's 93rd in a dot, like air yard share, 72nd in the league like i understand that they're trying to get him involved and he will have value uh he is explosive he's fast i just don't buy that he's ever going to be a really consistent playmaker he's not terry kill he's not that type of player so i would sell him now while there are buyers but why don't you tell us why you bought him and what did you what did you pay for i I reluctantly bought him because I needed wide receiver help because this is kind of how my team has been this year. So if my team had, if my team was sitting at four and one or even, or, or I guess at the time three and one, two and two, what have you, I probably wouldn't have bought him, but I needed the help. And that, that was the cheapest, easy way for production. I traded a 23 third in one league. I had three of them. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I gave the late one away. I think it'll be closer to a fourth. And then in another league, I gave away a 24-3. So just a year later, but same round. So I don't feel too bad about it. But in the last two weeks, you know, Rondell's only played two games this year because he was injured for the first three. Last two weeks, he's only he's had 13 targets to Marquise Brown's 19. You know, the yards, you know, Marquise Brown has doubled the yards because you said, you know, yards per reception, you know, Brown's at 12, you know, Rondell Moore's at eight. Um, but he he's the pure slot receiver. And I think... And it was encouraging to me because no, I've never been the biggest Rondell Moore fan because guys like his size, you know, uh, Wandale Robinson is another guy who, who's kind of similar to that. When a, when a wide receiver is that short and, and for the upcoming draft, Josh Downs is another guy. They cannot, I'm not saying they can't win on their own, but it's not like you can plug them into an X receiver role or a Z role. You have to scheme specifically for them. And while, as long as Kingsbury is, is head coach, I feel comfortable in Rondell. But he played 80-plus percent of the snaps, you know, his first week back. Greg Dortch was irrelevant to the bench, which I, Greg Dortch is also 5'7". He's the same height as Rondell, he, and he weighs less. So in my mind, I'm like, you know, if we can get Rondell giving us the production that Dortch gave us for three weeks, then, I mean, that's a solid wide receiver three flex play. I mean, I'm not crazy about any kind of upside or anything, but. Played over 90% of the snaps last week. So for me, it was more of like a, a speculative trade, 
like maybe I can get something, get some production here for a few weeks while I need it, flip them, you know, maybe for even if I just get my three back, I'm content or like a three and a four or something like that in return, flip them to another team. But I mean, through two weeks, I'm, I'm kind of encouraged, you know, by the usage. And then this week he goes up against Seattle, who one has a terrible defense and two is 32nd in the league covering slot wide receivers. So I think this week he's a good play, but like I said, you know, like like I said, like I get why you're out, and I probably would be too. But I was kind of forced into a situation where I needed somebody, and he was the cheapest available guy. So, yeah, and I think ninety percent of the snaps. I mean, that's really encouraging, and the fact that they're making an attempt to get him involved, and and he is like the slot guy, especially when Greg Dorch had played pretty well. Um, I think all that's encouraging. So uh, here, here you go. Here's another it. one. Marquise Brown over the past two weeks has run 77 routes. Rondell Moore's run 74. So, I mean, the playtime is there. I wonder I wonder what his route distance is. You know what I, I mean? Because yeah. Christian Kirk played that slot role for them, and he was downfield a lot. Um, and, and I'm also interested to see, you know, what happens when Hopkins comes back and, and not so much as as for playing time because he's a pure slot. Like he's rarely playing outside. They got him in some creative positions. So I don't think Hopkins is going to take away any playing time. But I'm curious as, if that target distribution comes down a little bit when Hopkins comes back. Yep. Um, I'll just give I'll give one on each side here and i'll again tip my cap to you i think you kind of saw this coming but kind of trying to sell james robinson and buy travis Etienne in that offense hey, i think you were right with i was gonna uh, buy him you were yep. yeah so i mean you you basically said it uh i don't know if it was last week or the week before but it's clearly trending that direction j rob has been pretty inefficient i don't think he's gonna go away i think he's Agreed. you know he's still in i don't know rb three-ish, but he's been kind of reliant on big plays and touchdowns. His yards per carry is not good. ETN's is, um, and he's way more explosive in the past game. So since you mentioned it a few weeks ago and you were going to mention ETN as a buy, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was just – it just kind of felt like it was coming. And I, you know, we like I mentioned before, we always had to treat this year kind of ETN's rookie year, and usually it takes a few games because he never played an NFL game until week one this year, even though he was drafted two years ago. But there is a lot of stats that came out this morning, just kind of reports. You know, uh, ETN through five games, he's gained five plus yards on forty-five and a half percent of his carries, fifth, fifth best in the league. Uh, forced missed tackles per carry, point three zero, sixth best. Uh, 3.3 yards per contact, 10th best. Snaps have increased in four straight games, 37, 43, 51 to 53% last week. And I think the thing that stood out to me, um, especially last week when I was you know, going through some of these guys' numbers, was that James Robinson had primarily been the guy that you want to start on neutral and positive game script weeks. They were neck and neck with Jackson or with Houston all week last week, and ETN still outsnapped them. So that that just kind of tells me that that it, it the takeover's coming. Now I don't know if we're ever going to see, you know, the crazy 70-30 split or anything like that, but I just think we're getting to the point where like the staff is like 
you know, ETN's the more explosive guy. I mean, that doesn't mean James Robinson is bad, but you do need some juice on the offense, and you can't always, you know, be going for three yards to carry. Sometimes you need to put a guy in there that's a home run threat. Uh, ETN does need to work on his hands, though. Holy moly, those that guy can barely catch a football. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I just I, I think there's a chance that ETN turns into a league winner. I give it a few more weeks, but I I, I really think we're going to get to week 10 where this guy's going to be like, you have to start him every week because he's scoring you 15 plus points a game. I mean, remember, this guy hasn't even scored a touchdown yet this yet this year. Like this offense, this offense has been really bad the past two weeks. Trevor Lawrence for the first three weeks was one of the league's best. The past two weeks, he's been kind of questionable. Doug Peterson, can't, I, this is the thing that I don't get, is that Doug Peterson in a press conference this morning uh, was talking about how he went away from the run, even though it was a close game. He just wanted, you know, he called too many pass plays in the second half. And, you know, it was a close game. Like in the first half, like, the Jacks were averaging like 10 plus yards per carry between both guys. It was ridiculous. In the second half, they just went away from the run completely. They weren't even trailing. Like it was a tie game most of the game. So I, I just think there, there, there's a there's an issue here with maybe some of the play calling. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that ETN takeover is coming. He had over – I think it was 114 yards on 12 touches last week. So Yeah, he's, uh, he's fifth in the league with 6.2 yards per touch. Um, he's 16th with 3.56 yards created per touch. Meanwhile, James Robinson is 47th with 4.3 yards per touch and 50th with 1.82 yards created per touch. James Robinson also leads the league with 22 stuffed runs. Um, I think it's a play style thing. I think so. I think that's a big part of it. That's kind I, of- I would love to see James Robinson in Seattle next year with Ken Walker. Like, give That'd me be a, a great fit. Give, give me a one-two. That'd be the perfect offense for him. But for now, I mean, even though we like James Robinson, uh, his game and everything, it's, it is trending towards ETN. So yep. um, any other buys or sells you want to mention? In Dynasty, sell Davis Mills. New quarterback coming in. We had just mentioned him when, we were, when I was talking about Nico. Um how do you feel about Justin Fields? Is he a buyer or sell for you? Because I've I saw somebody buy him in a league of mine a couple weeks ago, and he's still not playing well. I don't. Some of the mock drafts recently have had the Bears taking a new quarterback, which would mean that Justin Fields potentially gets moved to another team. Like, which is kind of where are you at on him? I mentioned because objectively, on, he's been absolute garbage. I said on the the fantasy press podcast I was on before the season started, I said, I, I don't want any part of this offense. I wouldn't be surprised if the bears took a quarterback again in the draft next, you know, 2023 class. And I kind of got smoked by some people in the comments. He's bad. He sucks. Um, you I mean, want, you want to know something crazy? This is in the discord. Darnell Mooney has something ridiculous, like a 40% target share. Of course, you know, it's on, it's on like, you know, 80 attempts pass attempts through the first five weeks it's on almost nothing so but at the same time not only is his target share is so high justin fields leads the league in off target percentage throws yeah that's not surprising it's it's, it's I, I believe the number was 33 percent. oh my god one out of every three throws is not even close and 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 they took away drops or excuse me they took away throwaways and batted passes like this is just just throwing the ball to the receiver one out of every three is not even in the vicinity. My goodness. And I think he's getting sacked at like the highest or second highest rate. 
which is so weird because you see guys like Jalen Hurts and you know some of these Russell Wilson, some of these other mobile quarterbacks, like you think his rushing ability, those sack numbers would be lower than what they're supposed to be because I, you have that ability to get out, but it seems like he's just taking them. Yeah, I wonder if it's also too like he 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 feels like he always has that in his in his bag, so he doesn't necessarily like throw it away or get rid of the ball quickly because he feels like he can always take off and ends up holding the ball too long. I don't know. I just don't think he's any good. I haven't thought there was a moment where I liked him as a prospect and then I cooled. And since then I've been far, far out on him. Um, He was my QB one for a long time last summer. And then eventually at some point I was just like, I can't, I can't, I think it was the bears landing spot that did it for me. Yeah. I cooled on his tape a little, but the bears landing spot. Um, One other guy I was going to mention is Alec Pierce. He's a guy that I liked him coming into the league. I ended up with a few shares of him. I talked about him quite a bit. Um, I don't know how you felt watching that game on Thursday, but Pierce was the one that Ryan was looking to in like, you know, third and eight or something, or when he was under pressure and just throwing it. I'm not saying Pierce is like going to pass Pittman. I still really like Pittman, Um, but I think they can both be good if this offense can figure it out. I've just been impressed with how good Pierce looks, especially for a guy that kind of had minimal production at, you know, Cincinnati, like, a little bit of you know question the competition and he didn't put up major numbers like you'd expect and he's a fast guy did a lot of it downfield i mean he looked like a contested catch guy he's big and fast um kind of i don't know who maybe like an adam thielen um but he he drew a lot of jordy nelson comps yes that's yeah that's a great one downfield strong hands yeah strong hands that's what i i mean just contested catches man they even moved sertan to Pierce at the end of the game, yeah. um, which I, I think said a lot, but uh, yeah, I, I like Pierce as a prospect. I was in on him. I remember DMing some guys, you know, in, in the off season, you know, I, I was in on him. I kind of cooled a little bit when he landed in, in uh, Indianapolis, just because, you know, Pittman was there. Matt Ryan generally likes one guy. I had questions about Matt Ryan's arm, you know, can, can he support, you know, two guys, you know, God, man, we've said probably a hundred times, if not two hundred times, teams are running three wide receiver sets more than ever. So there's yeah. there's plenty of room for Pierce to fit in with Pittman. I obviously, still think Pittman is is the alpha one there, but Pierce is looking like a, a really good two. Uh, I think Pierce has had the benefit of Pittman getting that shadow coverage over the first few weeks. Uh, he got Derek Stingley week one, but you know he ate him up. Uh, he had that uh, was it Jody Forston? No, it wasn't him. That's wrong. That's a tight end. Yeah, that's uh, the Chiefs who, tight end. You're, but it, it, it's it is it Fort? It's Fort something. Is the other Chiefs defensive back? Uh, it's Legere Sneed and, and it's somebody else. But yeah, Legere Sneed is the slot guy. Um, but he okay. My point is is that Pittman has been up against in the the last four weeks. He's been up against like three of the top ten corners, and then like one of the the top 40 corner. He was like down there at 36 or something like that. So I feel like he's been down a little bit because one, he's seeing some really good shadow coverage and two, Matt Ryan's been off. That's what concerns me. Like for this year, I don't know how much I would give up for like Pierce, for example, just because I don't know that his offense is going to be good enough to sustain them both consistently throughout the year. But I think long-term there'll be a very good tandem, especially the other thing I'll say is if Matt Ryan can get going, if they can protect him, the offense is very concentrated. I mean, it's those two guys, and then you can basically write Paris Campbell off. Uh, you know, they rotate tight ends here and there, but um, it's pretty concentrated between those two guys. 
One of the other things I noticed too is that it's really weird. They have Pittman running a lot of underneath routes and Pierce to have Pierce going deep, which is bizarre because Pittman was one of the best downfield threats in the league last year. So I don't know what that's about. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. And if you got two guys that are good at going downfield, why not confuse the defense and have them each doing it at different times? But I don't Yeah, mix it I up. I don't know. I, I'm more out on Frank Reich than I am at, at, with Matt Ryan at this point in time. If Matt Ryan comes back next year, I'd be fine with it. You got to fix your line. But I think the Colts are desperately in need of new a new voice in that locker room at coach. Yeah, I've always liked Frank Reich. But at the same time, you keep rotating quarterbacks. It's kind of been the same thing over and over at some point. Like, <laughs> you got a new head coach. One of my favorite things to watch that i'm most excited about if it happens is that i i am a big fan of the this quarterback class i get that it's top heavy with stroud young and levis but i think there are a lot of really good day two guys and i am super interested to see if the colts grab somebody day two to develop for a year or two behind behind matt ryan because that is that is a position or a player that i would jump on in rookie drafts come this april if it happens interesting that's a good uh that's a good thought i honestly though like because it's time matt ryan starting for another season and a half but the colts have to do something at quarterback it's time they do they've they haven't figured it out since andrew luck i wouldn't even be against them selling the farm sell your soul to go get somebody this year even if they're going to sit behind for matt ryan for one more year because you can't get out of that contract because the cap hits too big whatever but you have to find the answer because you cannot let Jonathan Taylor, you know, Quentin Nelson, the highest paid guard in NFL history, uh, Pittman, Alec Pierce, Darius Leonard, some of these other guys, you cannot let these careers go to waste because they're still all in their early 20s. Agreed. That defense is pretty good. Like they have they have a lot of pieces and it's just a revolving door at quarterback. So I, I feel like there are so many teams in the league right now that are like, if you look at their roster, you're like, this is actually a pretty good football team outside of quarterback. Yep. which makes them look like a much worse football team. A hundred percent. That's there's so many teams like that. Um, okay. Any last thoughts or anything you are looking for next week? Anything you want to plug uh, before we get out of here? I, guys know I've been dealing with the COVID. I got the Matt Corral article finished. Finally, it's going up tomorrow morning and then I'll have my next fantasy forecast out Friday. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, I've been getting my DFS model out on the website. It's free, filmalytics.org. Um, it's getting better each week with more data. Um, results have been pretty positive, and I think they're going to keep getting better. So uh, be sure to check in on that. Of course, head on over to Twitter at Patreon. Sorry. Head on over to Twitter at filmalytics underscore and subscribe at our Patreon. Um patreon.com backslash filmalytics. Thanks for being here with us on the Filmalytics podcast where we combine film and analytics to bring you the best results.